0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Book Faces Live, the show where we talk the faces behind your books. I'm Nathan Van Koops, I'm your host, and today I am very excited to bring you a special guest, uh, Adam Croft. Welcome to the show, Adam.
1: Thank you, thank you very much. Pleasure to be here.
0: Um, been definitely looking forward to this um, interview I just finished reading your book which was uh, the indie author mindset which has been uh, fantastic Um, for people who may not be familiar with you um, you are obviously a very successful uh, crime thriller writer you've you've, um, had tremendous success writing fiction but now you have branched out into Uh, nonfiction, and can you tell people a little bit about just uh, what inspired you to kind of shift gears and and, uh, dive into the indie author mindset?
1: Well, thank you for your kind words, first (laughs) of all, Um, (laughs) but yeah, I I guess the... The success I've had means that, and especially with it all being through independent publishing, it means that a lot of people have come to me and, and asked for advice. I get emails every day, mm-hmm. which is great. You know, I, I love helping people. That that advice wasn't there when I started out mm-hmm. in kind of 2010 and started writing the book in uh, 2008. So, you know, knowing that the community is much more developed now and is much more open, and that I can help people is, is great. Mm -hmm. But I found myself kind of answering the same questions time and time again, which, again, is fine. And even though the questions were different um, between different people, the basis of it came down to the same thing. And what I was telling people, um, more often than not, seemed to come down to the issue of mindset or a different way of thinking about things. It wasn't that they were necessarily doing the wrong things, but Mm -hmm. they were thinking about them the wrong way. And in this business, there are certain types of logic that um perhaps don't seem to make sense that you need to apply to your to your marketing your business activities and and even your writing itself Mm -hmm. and i just kind of i I realized that trying to get yourself into that way of thinking as i had done um in 2015 i i mean i i I was nine books down by then and i was only just about paying the bills with my writing and i shifted the way that i thought about things and it was a few things that did that it a few things that came together at the same time i read a couple of really good non-fiction books i also Mm -hmm. discovered mark dawson's um advertising for authors course yep and there were a few things that just kind of clicked at the same time Mm -hmm. and i thought well that was more luck than anything and and good timing so uh, i basically distilled that that shift in mindset that i had into this book and um yeah there's just things in there which if you're completely new to writing um, some of it might seem overwhelming in the, mm-hmm. um, the latter half of the book if you're more experienced the writer and you've been publishing for a while then the first half might seem a bit basic but mm-hmm. I think there's definitely something in there for everybody and there's a lot of, a lot, what people keep saying to me is that there are things that they knew but had mm-hmm. kind of forgotten or haven't thought about in that way mm-hmm. and uh, the phrase kick up the backside is something that that really keeps um, keeps coming back to me, when like yeah. people say you know, the effect that the book's had so yeah hopefully it is a kick up the um, whatever the, the local phrases yeah
0: and I can I can relate to that I have just finished the book myself and you know, I've been publishing for a while um, so a lot of this stuff was very familiar to me but there were definite uh, paragraphs in there that just said you know this this is what I need to refocus on and you know kind of take a look at again um, you're obviously writing from the voice of experience uh, what were some of those Attitudes that you had to shift like you said some of them old mindsets that you had to to let go of or a few that maybe you uh, specifically had to deal with yourself
1: Well, I think a lot of what I had to let go of and what most writers have to let go of is actually Kind of human nature and natural way of thinking about things I mean, Mm -hmm. I split it in the book. I split it into three types of mindset the professional mindset the visionary mindset and the business mindset mm. um, I mean particularly on the business side of things I mean it, it's difficult to reconcile the creative half of the brain with the business brain and as an indie you've got to be a writer, you've got to be a business person um, you've got to be able to do things like this mm-hmm. um, and kind of be a, a broadcaster um, you know, you've know, you got to be a customer services um, person, you've, you've got mm-hmm. to wear all of these different hats um, so for example um on the business side of things, it's very natural to think of things as a cost and as an expense. For example, getting a cover designed, people mm-hmm. think, "Oh, I could, you know, there's one guy whose covers aren't as good. He charges a hundred dollars. This guy, yeah, they're brilliant. But he charges five hundred dollars. I can't mm-hmm. do that." Um, and it's an investment. Mm-hmm. And looking at things, not that you're spending five hundred dollars or four hundred more, mm-hmm. but that you are setting yourself up for potentially doubling or trebling your sales for the next. Five, ten, twenty years, if you look at it that way, mm-hmm. then you know it, it, it's things like that, it's shifting the way of thinking about things. It's, for example, um, it's a lot of it is about thinking long term. Mm-hmm. I've got books that I wrote seven or eight years ago that only only, only a, a few pounds a day, sometimes mm-hmm. nothing at all, mm-hmm. but that's happening every day or every week for you know years on end. There are books I've not written a word on for eight years that still earn the money each day. Mm-hmm. And it's it's looking at the logic of that rather than thinking, Oh, I've launched a book, it's gone out, it's sold ten copies mm-hmm. and it's selling a copy or two here and there and, and thinking that's a that's a failure. It's not. Once you've got ten, twenty books stacked up on top of each other all doing that, you can do very well. I mean it's the you know, that's the kind of twenty books to fifty k thing that's um, that's that's been around the last couple of years. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many examples of that of you know, changing the way that you think about things and looking mm-hmm. at things
0: in a in a different way from what might feel natural and comfortable. I think you did an excellent job too of bringing that across in the book of you know long term thinking. Also, this sort of brick by brick. Um, way of building your your business and having compounded results, as opposed to I think one of the the big mistakes people have starting out is they think they're going to write one book and this one book is going to be um, it. That's going to be the big success, or that they're going to focus all their efforts on this one book and well, they can make that it can work.
1: Happen.
0: It's rarely your <clears throat> first yeah. one.
1: I have had that happen to me twice mm-hmm. um, with my I think ninth and twenty third books. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> <laughs> if not, uh, yeah, it's not something that's going to just happen on your first one. It's very, right. very unlikely. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, sometimes for a lot, you know, there are lots of authors out there who earn a hell of a lot more money than me. Mark Dawson's one of them. Mm-hmm. He's never had one massive breakout book that's, mm-hmm. that's gone nuts. He's, he's done that, as you say, brick on brick, looking mm-hmm. at long-term thinking. Um, yeah. all of his books do well. And yeah. when they're compounded on top of each other, he's, you know, doing six figure month regularly.
0: Yeah. And you had some interesting things that that kind of stuck out for me um, about sometimes the the mistakes we make in um, understanding even the readers and and their attitudes towards our books. Uh, For example, one of the mistakes I made early on that was a a mindset mistake was that when I I had a a perma free book, perma free book one, and uh, for a series starter, and it was, I didn't produce an audiobook for that one right away, I produced the audiobook for book two. Because um, my mindset was, oh, well, they can get this Kindle book for free. They're not going to want to spend money for an audio book on top of this. And, and it, that was completely wrong. The The, the correct answer was, uh, yes, they want this free one. And yes, now they want a deal on the audio on top of that. So I had sort of shot myself in the foot thinking that all readers were like me, that they were cheap and didn't want to, you know, if they got something for free, they don't want to additionally spend money on it. But it was completely wrong. And now that I have an audiobook for book one, it's by far and away the, the biggest seller. Um, but there's so many of those, you, you pointed out a few things like that. Um, we miss... We miss- you,
1: you, you should never assume that a reader is like you. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, on audiobooks, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't listen to audiobooks. I know lots of people do. Mm-hmm. Um, my first book, when that was perma-free, um that was the only audio book that actually sold and actually made mm-hmm. a profit because so many people were downloading it for free you know mm-hmm. probably about 300, 400 downloads a day just on Amazon and even if one or two of those got the Whisper WhisperSync um, mm-hmm. add-on for three ninety nine or, or whatever yep. then you know I was getting paid out for that so that book was, was paying for itself because of that um, but yeah I mean assuming that readers are like you and Mm -hmm. that you are your target audience even if you do read the type of books that you write Mm -hmm. you should never ever assume that because that's such a dangerous thing to do um for example i see so many people who go you know why is my book not selling and i go well for a start the cover's really bad yeah but i really like it yeah it's, it's, it, doesn't a, it doesn't matter you, <laughs> okay, you go out and buy a copy of your book then and you can really like it and you can have it on your yeah. bookshelf and you can love it but yeah. no one else is going to because it doesn't fit your genre it doesn't say what type of book it is it doesn't stand out the font's too small you know whatever yeah. um, and the, the book description um, the, the blurb if you like people go oh no I spent ages on that and I really like it I thought it was really good mm. yeah okay great but your sales figures say it's not Right. <laughs> and the conversion rate you get from your sales page says it's not very good mm-hmm. and being able to kind of detach yourself from that which is really difficult when you spend so long writing a book and you spend hours on a product description you've worked with a cover designer and you've got it exactly how you want it mm-hmm. it's really difficult to then mm-hmm. admit that actually it's not what the market wants mm-hmm. and you know some of my book covers i really don't like some of my book descriptions i really don't like i don't like some of the books um yeah. but the market does the readers do and they're what matters so, you know i don't you know, i i do write things that are for me and frankly they don't sell you know i i write plays as well and i don't publicize or advertise that because they're nothing to do with crime they're mm. weird kind of surrealist avant-garde things that yeah. i do for me to to get something else out um yeah. and you know, i think the last royalty check i had for for my plays was 2 pounds 38 yeah. So that's what happens when you do things
0: for you. But Yeah, it's filling a different need there other than money and profit. And you talk yeah. about that too. So you talk about like profit isn't everything necessarily and um, it depends on your different goals. We had a, yeah. a comment from Claire Taylor said, just purchased, love mindset studies, excited to read it. So um,
1: Thank you, Claire. I hope yeah. you enjoy it. Let me know
0: what you think. Yeah, i sure she'll pass on some comments. Um, one of the other things that um, you mentioned that was uh, sort of a mind shift. Mindset shift that was um, a common mistake authors make is uh, when they think about box sets. Um, you mentioned that you know a lot of people think that oh no I can't box up my books I can't and sell them cheaper it'll it'll hurt my regular sales but that's not actually the case could you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah well the the logic of it is that there are different audiences for box sets mm-hmm. and for standalone books i mm-hmm. never read box sets i only read standalones. even mm-hmm. if it's a series that i love and i think i'm definitely going to read the next three for some reason i, I only buy them individually there mm-hmm. are people who only buy box sets or prefer mm-hmm. to buy box sets and and won't buy them all individually mm-hmm. um and you know we all do it we all read books and we think oh yeah i really really like that i know this book has got a series has got 10 books in it I've read the first three, and I love them all. There's no reason for me not to buy four, five, and six. Mm-hmm. I just haven't got around to it yet. When there's a box set, you know, the, you're, you're definitely getting the sale of three books. I mean, you might only be getting paid for two of them, because you, you normally discount the price. But mm-hmm. overall, you're going to be making more money out of that, and people kind of feel more compelled to read them as well. Um, when I first introduced box sets, I was a bit sceptical. Um, and some I can't remember who it was now, because this was about three or four years ago somebody recommended i do it i gave it a go and um i thought the sales of my individual books might come down a bit but the box set revenue might just make up for it Mm -hmm. it didn't the sales of the individual books um stayed the same for a while and then started going up Mm -hmm. um and the box sets the the books one to three box set my main series is now my third best-selling book um Book of, yeah. of, of all time, um, and let's yeah, put that into perspective. Um, the, the second best-selling book is *Her Last Tomorrow*, mm-hmm. and my one that came out in January. Tell me I'm wrong, which is now outsold *Her to Last Tomorrow*. Is so you know, and they were both massive, massive books that sold mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands of copies. And the, the box set is third only to those. So yeah. um, you know, there is there is big money in those, and you can't think of it cannibalizing your sales. They are a separate product in the same way that audiobooks are some people mm-hmm. only listen to audio mm-hmm. they're just not going to read them because they like audio it's yeah. you know there are there, there, there's not a market of readers it's there's a you know lots of mini markets
0: within that mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely um, I, I think the one of the advantages, too, is actually just having another cover. Usually, if you have a box set, you have an opportunity to make another cover and have something else to advertise. And, of course, you talked about... It's,
1: it's another product, too. Yeah.
0: yeah, and having a higher-priced product that gives you a little bit better ROI on your, your advertising. Things like that's yes, something to yeah. think about it in those terms. And I, you touch on that a bit in your book.
1: Yeah, I mean, box sets are great for advertising because, as you say, you're more likely to make an ROI because um, mm-hmm. you know positive return on investment because the price point is higher, there's more profit in each unit. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, if somebody's committed to buy the first three books, then they're mm-hmm. more likely to read four, five, six, seven, eight, and, and so on mm-hmm. than they are if they've just read the first one. I mean, yeah, they might love the book, they might love the characters, but they're not going to be as deeply invested in them as somebody who's read the first three. So right. that's the, the logic behind it, I assume.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, we talked about a little bit about volume. Um, congratulations, first off, on, on your book, your release in January, and having yet another amazing bestseller because you know it's um it's hard enough to do it once with her last tomorrow but to be able to do it again um is kind of you know proof that you're onto something here that you, you know what you're doing you're able to rep- replicate your well, success
1: yeah <clears> i mean it, it's it's difficult i've had lots of books out between them i've had about um mm-hmm. 10 or 12 books out between those two and um you know they have not all being bestsellers by, by any stretch of the imagination but um I looked at what made Her Last Tomorrow work Mm -hmm. and the way I marketed it and the fact that it had a very compelling hook that was structured Mm -hmm. in a very specific way. And Mm -hmm. I tried to repeat that with Tell Me I'm Wrong Mm -hmm. and did and actually did did better than Her Last Tomorrow did. So um, I, I think now I know what the pattern is and what my formula is for what works for me again this this won't work for everybody uh, by any stretch of the imagination it's what works for me um and the book i'm working on at the moment i'm about two-thirds of the way through should Mm -hmm. hopefully fingers crossed be out october Mm. um fits that same mold it's got a similarly compelling hook um it's a very similar style and fingers crossed if it, you know, if, if I've got my, um, my theories right and if it, if it is what it, I think it is doing it, then that one should be a success too. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll lay my cards on the table yeah. there and I'll, I'll come back on, yeah in a couple of months time and let you know whether it worked or not.
0: Yeah. We'd love to follow up with you and, and find out if this particular formula is, is still working for you in It'll the future. be a fun experiment.
1: And yeah. if, if it works, I've, that means I've, I've tested it three times and done it three times and I'll then, I'll feel comfortable saying, "Look, guys, this is you know, what i 've done. might not work for you, but let's yeah. uh, you know, let 's let's,
0: let's see yeah we have a few uh, questions coming in, and if you are watching if anyone 's watching the live, uh, feel free to, to jump in with your questions or if you 're watching the recorded broadcast later on and you want to uh, pop onto the comments and ask questions, or if you 're watching the audio, um, check out the link. And um, feel free to pop on and and ask your questions. I'm sure Adam would be happy to come back on and interact with you afterwards. Um, Lucy Score, um, best-selling author herself of uh, Contemporary Romance, has a question for you. She says, I don't have the rights back to the first three books in my series. Should I wait to box up books four through six until I get one through three back? What do you think about that?
1: that depends lucy whether the, it is a series of six or whether there's, there's more in a series if there's more then there's no harm in boxing up four three six i I'd do the same with mine i my main series there are eight books in that now mm. i've got uh, one to three and four to six mm. um in terms of the rights it's always worth asking if you can have the rights back i don't mm. know if you have or not i you know I might be Jeez. teaching teaching granny to suck eggs saying that but um it's um it's something I did recently. I had um, two of my books with Thomas mm-hmm. and Mercer, mm-hmm. um, an Amazon publishing imprint, and I wasn't happy with the way they were going. So I mm-hmm. I asked for my rights back, and I did have to ask on a weekly basis for a year and a half. That mm-hmm. is the caveat, but they did yeah. get them back. And um, you know, it's always always worth trying that because you know no publisher
0: wants an unhappy author in their stable. Right. I think uh, yeah. Just. From knowing Lucy's story, she's been a, a previous guest, and I know that she's had uh, wild success after having uh, continued on from her publisher. So I'm sure they're they're kind of holding on for dear life for those to those rights, just because she's continuing to be so successful. So it may not. Well, again, but, it
1: depends who the publisher is. I mean, I think yeah. one of the reasons that Amazon um, gave me the rights back to my two is that um, it was after Tell Me I'm Wrong did so well earlier this year, and that I think showed them that I could market the books perhaps more effectively than Mm -hmm. they were doing not because i think i'm better than amazon but because they've got so many authors they couldn't give me the time and the resources to um to do what i could and i can spend you know 16 hours a day and and i do (laughs) working on these books yeah (laughs) so i can put a bit more time into it um and i think amazon probably make more money out of those books now having given Mm -hmm. the rights back to me because they're 30 percent with me marketing them, that marketing them is worth more than their their seventy percent was with them marketing yeah them. so it's, it's it's a better deal for them as well.
0: Amazon always has a little bit of skin in the game that way, whether you're uh, indie or not, so they're still making some money um, exactly. Lucy comments and says that her rights revision offer was turned down, so they didn't um they didn't like her offer to uh, to buy them back um so in that situation, assuming she can't get uh, books one through three back, do you, what do you think uh, boxing up four to six is still a, a viable option?
1: Yeah, especially if it's a long series. I think mm-hmm. if you've got kind of eight or more books in the series. Um, but again, it's there's so many things in, in this industry. It's different things work for different people. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it's going to be worth testing. Yeah. With a box, set, it's not really going to cost you anything to to put it out there. You've got the books there. Mm-hmm. You just package them together. So you have really only got a new cover. You haven't got to pay to get them edited.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's not going to cost you anything to put them up there. So um, yeah. it, perhaps get a new cover for it, mm-hmm. um, put it out there, and if you see that you know sales drop or that they don't work, then you know then you can you can pull it. But it, yeah. it's it's got to be worth a shot, particularly if there's more books there uh, behind it.
0: Yeah. So she says I have eight books total in that series so far and more to come. So thank you. She says, thanks for that response. So, yeah, certainly worth it. Worth a shot there. Um, one of the things that I always like to ask authors when they have sort of achieved the level of success you have, um, what does success? How has the idea of success worked for you? Um, like, how has it progressed? Like, is it a, a constantly moving target for you? When did you first feel like you? had been successful, and then what does success look like for you now? Um,
1: when I feel successful, I'll let you know. <laughs> it's, it's the truth. Um, I, 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 I don't, really, um, because the goalposts do keep moving. And I'm mm-hmm. the kind of person that, um, <clears throat> you know, my, my first goal was just to publish a book and get it out there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I enjoyed that for about five minutes, and then I wanted to sell some copies, and then I wanted to mm-hmm. sell some more copies. Mm-hmm. And I think what kind of keeps pushing me on from you know, one level to the next is that I'm never happy, and I, you know, I always see um, the next thing on the horizon I to go for that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I still don't feel you know, any different to, to how I did. I still wake up in the morning with a sense of dread that this morning is the morning I'm going to open my inbox and I've been found out and everyone's found out I'm <laughs> fraud, and and that it's um, it's not happening anymore. I'm going to go out and have to get a job. You know, yeah. it's, um, it, that that doesn't change. Um, you know that. That perspective is, is the same as it was, you know, eight ten years ago when I was mm-hmm. sitting in my my back bedroom writing detective stories. The only difference is now I'm in a different house and I'm sitting in the front bedroom writing stories. <laughs> right. so it's you know, for for me it's um, you know it's no different. I'm I'm just now that I'm in a a position where I can take a little more time away from the actual writing and the time to do things like this and to kind mm-hmm. of you know um, you know help other people who who were kind of in a position that I was a few years ago when that help wasn't there. I mean, if podcasts had been around and, you know, if there'd been all these courses and, and things, then, you know, maybe I would have would have got there a bit quicker. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's a similar perspective to, to what I've always had.
0: And I should mention that you do have your own podcast if anyone wants to check it out, the Partners <laughs> in Crime uh, with Adam Croft podcast, which is hilarious, I think. I've enjoyed an episode just recently and, and had a blast just listening to you guys. Thank you.
1: Yes, good fun. Yeah, I'll present it with um, a friend of mine, Robert Dawes, He's also a best-selling crime writer and uh, TV actor and um yeah we interview people from the world of crime fiction in books um and tv stars of crime series and directors Mm -hmm. and yeah just anything kind of mostly fictional sometimes factual crime and um yeah we just we switch on the microphones and we we have a good laugh and we talk to some really interesting guests we had val mcdermid on this week on the episode that went out today and Yeah. yeah it's it's great fun. I seem to be spending more of my life in front of a microphone than I am in front of a keyboard, so my job kind of seems to have changed if uh, seventy yeah. five percent broadcaster, twenty-five percent writer. But
0: you know. yeah. well I've heard you all over the virtual airwaves this week and uh, <laughs> but you've got a great radio voice for it, so yeah, you know, I think you yes. did a great, great job. Radio as well. <laughs> yeah, which you know, doesn't doesn't work for us today. We gotta we've gotta show our faces in the live stuff. So <laughs> um, Claire Taylor has a, a question for you. She says, Have your books always yeah, been yeah. wide? Or did you ever ride the KU wave?
1: I did, up until 2015, mm-hmm. I had all my books, all my books in KU, and mm-hmm. pulled them out, that was part of that that mindset shift that I had actually, that was, mm-hmm. that was part of it, I pulled them all out. Um, and my Kempsen Hardwick series I actually put in earlier this year, despite being not a fan of KU, mm-hmm.
0: um,
1: they're, they're back out again now. Mm-hmm. Um, that series is a kind of a cosy mystery, I suppose is the closest I can describe um it's it's a traditional style amateur sleuth it's very tongue-in-cheek it's the golden age of detective fiction but it's kind of your your agatha christie or Mm -hmm. sherlock holmes but it's very deliberately taking things from those series and putting them into one world and and you know not taking itself too seriously by any stretch of imagination it's kind of humorous and quirky a bit of a pastiche of things and um that wasn't doing particularly well wide Mm. And I thought, as an experiment, I put them into k u for a few months and see what mm-hmm. happens yeah. and it, it it did even worse okay <laughs> so uh, so they 're back wide again now uh, i mean they they don 't sell very strongly they 've got they 've got a very dedicated fan base but a very small fan base they 're quite mm-hmm. a specific thing they again' mm-hmm. they're one of my my play things to write, so yeah i I have been in k u um i I do much better wide I have months regularly where amazon isn 't my biggest source of income. Mm -hmm. And I have very, very good relationships with um, with everyone. Kobo, particularly, um, Mm -hmm. with people who run Nook and run Apple, um, and that's something I've never had at Amazon, despite Mm -hmm. having a contract with Amazon, um, Mm -hmm. publishing contract with them in the past. Despite having, I mean, I've I've interviewed the guy who runs KDP in the UK, and I've even even still, I I don't have a relationship where I can go to them, and because they're a much bigger company, and Mm -hmm. they they haven't got time for me. It's that's just the way it is. Um, but I've been able to build up a very good relationship with the smaller vendors Mm -hmm. and and do quite well out of them so and it's just common sense for me business-wise it's this is not just my income it's my whole family's income My my wife works with me on the business side of Mm -hmm. things and um, you know if I can't have all of my eggs in Amazon's basket Mm -hmm. it doesn't make business sense for me
0: I think um, one of the biggest challenges people face going from The KU situation to going wide is, of course, like what you mentioned, is it involves building these relationships with these other vendors because it's not as straightforward of a meritocracy necessarily as the Amazon platform. So what are some of the things that that you've done to try to reach out and build those relationships to try to find that success wide?
1: Um, I'll be completely honest. The way in which I built the relationships with all of them is just to send them an email. Mm-hmm. and just say, look, I've, I've been in KU, I'm now going wide, I want to know how I can sell more books on your platform. And they've all been helpful. And they've mm-hmm. all, you know, um, Kobo, uh, if you email them, they open up a special area in the dashboard, a, a promotions tab, which isn't available mm-hmm. to, to everyone. It It is if you ask. Mm-hmm. Sorry, i have <coughs> okay. had a cold in the last week or two, and the, the cough yeah. is still sticking around. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're all... Very helpful. They're all keen to gain ground and to gain market share, mm-hmm. and to, and they want to sell your books because they're going to make money from it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not they're not going to say, well, no, we're not going to help you. It's in their best interest too because they're going to get thirty percent or, or forty percent in the case of Nook. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, if you go wide, having been in Ku. You will lose money immediately. Um, mm-hmm. Well, not immediately, but you know your, your page reads. You're not going to get income from that, mm-hmm. and that will happen while you build up the audience on those those other platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, again, it's just a long-term thing. And I haven't had books in Ku for a long time, but I'm still getting page reads on them. Um, some mm-hmm. of my books that came out of Ku in 2015, this month, I'm still getting page reads on because if people have borrowed them. Yeah. And not return them and they start reading them, then I'm earning the money from them. So you won't see you know, it won't fall off a cliff. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's not gonna be like that, it but um you know, it will start to to, to decline as your sales on the other platforms hopefully increase.
0: Mm-hmm. What are some things you did to help compensate for that drastic loss initially? Obviously, um, you've had big success with Facebook advertising through the Mark Dawson course you mentioned. Um, of course, AMS, BookBub, things like that. What are some of your strategies you've used to to help compensate for that loss of income?
1: Well, there are different strategies needed for those vendors than are needed for Amazon. Um, mm-hmm. Facebook ads, getting them to work for Amazon is difficult enough, it's mm-hmm. nigh on impossible for the other vendors. Um, BookBub ads work really, really well with Kobo and Apple, and, and with Nook as well. Um, Kobo's in-house promotions are brilliant, mm. there's there's two types of ones that they do, there are ones where you pay a small amount to be entered, and it's normally like $5 or something like that, um, and there are other ones where they do um, like a percentage off, There are one once a month there's like a 40% off sale. And if your book goes into that, then the reader gets 40% off, you give up 40% of your royalties as well, but you mm-hmm. always sell so many more books, and I can't remember the last time I did a Kobo promotion that didn't make a lot more money than it cost, um, and you know, there's there's hundreds of them knocking about, they're, they're always putting new ones out there. Mm-hmm. So if you're on Kobo, make sure you email them, ask for access to, to the promotions tab, because, um, because they can do really, really well. Um, yeah, Apple and Nook, I would say BookBub ads work really well. Um, BookBub ads, i found, don't work for me on Amazon. Mm. Um, and you know, keep your Amazon sales going as well by using the Facebook ads, by using AMS to, you know, to to boost those Amazon sales even further.
0: Mm-hmm. Of course, yeah. I mean, success breeds success, you know, no matter what the platform, because we have, you know, word of mouth, which is obviously very hard to, um, you know, quantify and, uh, but it, you know, no matter what platform people are buying on, obviously, um, does does interconnect there. So yeah, and uh, thank you Claire for your for your question. Yeah, if anyone else has any questions uh, they want to squeeze in before before we wrap up, we're starting to get to the end of the episode here. But uh, if anyone else has any any last minute burning questions for Adam, definitely uh, throw them up there, and we'll we'll get them answered. Um, in the meantime, so obviously, uh, where's the best place for people to find um, more information about you or if they want to contact you and find out more about your your books or your, your indie author mindset book?
1: Um, well, my website is adamcroft.net, and that's mm-hmm. completely geared towards my fiction. But um, there's a contact form on there. If you want to send me an email, then then do. I'm more than happy to help. Mm-hmm. Um, my Facebook is um, facebook.com forward slash books. And my non-fiction one, if you search for
0: Adam Croft, Indie Author Mindset, there's a page for that as well. Um, and on Twitter, at Adam Croft. And I do definitely recommend the uh, the podcast Partners in Crime as well. Like I said, it's a whole lot of fun. So.
1: Thank you. Yeah, we're getting quite a lot of listeners, actually, who aren't crime fiction fans. Yeah. Because, you know, we don't... That's you know, called Partners in Crime. It's a crime fiction podcast. We don't actually talk about crime that <laughs> much. It's more and more as it's going on. We're kind of veering yeah. off topic, and other stuff is coming in. And yeah. you know, they are um, even talking to, to our guests. You know, a lot of the time, we're, we we kind of go off beast with it. So, yeah, it's yeah. a lot of fun. Lot of fun.
0: It's definitely great chemistry um, between t- you and your your partner there, and uh, a lot of yeah, a lot of fun to be had. Uh, I'm not a, I'm not a crime fiction writer, and I had, I had a blast with it, so... Anyway, just. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. um, what's next for you? Uh, do you foresee yourself writing more self, um, not, um, non-fiction books? Any more non-fiction books coming out from you?
1: Yeah, I think when I wrote this one, it was going to be the only one, and as I was writing it, I realized that There were lots of things I could have said and lots of directions I could have gone in, but the book would have been like this. It would have been an absolute Mm -hmm. monster. Mm -hmm. So um, I then realised it had to be just a mindset book. um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, there are are lots of other topics I can cover and lots of detail I can go into. You know, I've been doing this now for for ten years, so um, I can. Yeah, there there are lots of things I can say and lots of detail I can go into and lots of things which hopefully will will help authors. um, You know, whether it be marketing. In whether it be trying to get productive and trying to write more um, you know, there are lots of tips and lots of things I've picked up on the way and lots of mistakes I've made as well and things mm-hmm. that haven't gone as they should have done and that I've, that I've learned from and that have been very valuable so um, yeah, there's definitely more to come when I get the time
0: <laughs> Well, that's fantastic and we'd love to have you back on uh, if you have uh, future books out or anything else of course, you know, always happy to, to uh, have you back on as a guest
1: yeah, that would
0: be great. It's been lots of fun. Yeah, it's been, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you've been very in demand this week. Uh, lots of interviews, <laughs> uh, lots of your voice on the airwaves. So um, thank you so much for your time, and uh, yeah, I really been a, appreciate it. it a pleasure. It. All right. Talk to you again soon.
1: Thank you.